Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' four-game series against the Kansas City Royals. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kupis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins split a four-game series against the Kansas City Royals, losing the first two, winning the second two. It's a weird time to be a Twins fan, because if you have any semblance of reality, you know that the Twins' season is basically over when it comes to making the postseason. But for me, that sort of lack of pressure of wins really mattering made these wins, uh, they just felt good. Like, they, they were enjoyable to watch. I don't, know, I don't know how you feel about that, Dan Thompson. Am I, am I on to something here, or am I on something? I think you're onto something. That was nice there. Three of these four games were just really entertaining baseball games, right? Aside from game two and the blowout, I mean, these were fun to watch. Yeah. They were close baseball games. It's fun to see. And, and to your point about kind of that mind switch of thinking about the long term rather than the short term, it's enjoyable to see the younger guys getting their opportunities and playing well. So if we think of it like it's 1997, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, it's different than that. But I, I do. I, it was an enjoyable series. Yeah, I think once you get over the initial disappointment, because the season has had so much promise, it's much easier to be a Twins fan and enjoy it, even knowing that it's not going to lead to any success. Because there's still 100 games. Yeah. A couple more than 103 games, right? So lots of baseball left to watch. Hopefully they can make some of it worth watching. Yeah, you would hope so. And I think they will, right? Well, hey, Buxton's return is right around the corner, it seems. <laughs> we, I think it really is this time, uh, right? Maybe. They said he's 100%. Maybe. I saw that phrase, 100%. <laughs> Hopefully he comes back because I can't watch Gilberto Celestino play center field much longer it, than this. Oh, my goodness. I Well, let's. <laughs> on that note, let's just jump right in here to the series recap. Series recap. Game one here. The Twins lose this one in heartbreaking fashion. A wonderful segue offered by Dan Thompson here. That- <laughs> Just lots of back and forth. Um, it was nice to see Josh Donaldson. The Twins do lose six to five, but Donaldson had two home runs. Finally, we're seeing some power of Donaldson plus a double. But then every time the Twins would score, I think it was like literally sometimes the next pitch, <laughs> the Royals would tie it or take the lead back. Yeah, this was, so the segue here, folks, if you didn't see it, you should go back and watch the replay. Just It's oh, fascinating, yeah. and especially it's if you painful. watch it a couple of times. So there's a relatively routine fly ball hit between left and center. So it, it probably was shaded a little bit more towards left, to be fair. But so Larnick is playing left field. Celestino is in center, and they're both calling for it. Like, if you watch the replay, you can see it. But so it's a routine pop fly that should have been caught. They actually collide, and the ball drops, and that allows Kansas City to score the sixth run, which ended up being the winning run. Now, granted, the Twins weren't necessarily going to win this game if it stayed tied and, and the game continued. However, I mean, it certainly hurt their chances at that point, and Kansas City could be a little bit more loose. What I liked about that replay, Dan, is that you could see after the ball dropped and Celestino went to pick it up, Larnick knew that he was in the right and Celestino was in the wrong because you could see it was slight. He was trying to not like make it a thing, but you could see it with a little slight motion he made with his glove that like, what are you doing? Yeah. You, you know who would have made that play, though, I think? Yeah, well, just about any Eddie, of the Twins' normal I, outfielders. Well, I was going to say Eddie Rosario. Oh, like my. That was the perfect Eddie Rosario <laughs> moment. It's You know, right? hang on. A quick aside. I do have to say, Dan, I do have to give you 
props because you have done wonderfully in keeping your Eddie Rosario references to a minimum. I mean, it's been it's been several episodes. His, his name it has, has even been, been it has been yeah, well done, Mister Thompson. And, and here's the thing: I mean, considering the attrition they've had in the outfield, I don't know that Eddie would have played anywhere but left. Right? Would they have trusted Eddie to <laughs> no, play center at no, any point? Not like, Eddie Rosario like, <laughs> in center field. Can you imagine the amount of balls that he would jump to try and get, or he would dive for that would just be like he'd be like seven feet from them? That would not happen. That just but that would have been fantastic, right? What a what a cherry on the top of the twin season. Because here's the thing, they still could have used him. Like, of all the seasons to let Eddie Rosario finally leave, this was the one they probably could have kept him around. It does seem a little bit unfortunate that the one time that the twins decide that, yeah, we're going to give young guys a go, every other fielder who they have just gets injured. Well, let's go to game two. Yeah, this one, I don't know how much time you want to talk oh. about this one. <laughs> Folks, if you didn't see, twins lose this one 14 to 5. And the thing is, it wasn't like a slow burn, right? It wasn't like, oh, the twins are in it, and then the kids Kansas City Royals really exploded late in the game to add up all these runs. No. No, no, not at all. Well, so what was funny to me, so I watched the first little bit and then it was like five or six nothing. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I'm going to go do something else with my life. And I, I really don't think I did much. I went to like the garden to, to water something and I came back in and it's 13 to nothing. And I'm like, what? How did this happen? Shoemaker only gets one out. One out. Um, one out. One out. Has, this, has there ever been a line in baseball where a guy got one out and gave up eight earned runs? Oh my gosh. I mean, only for the twins, right? Who are just trying to ask him to eat innings at that point right because you figure they're going to lose when it's seven nothing it wasn't ever seven nothing i think exactly in the dot right because of the through and homer but... i lost it. the numbers don't matter Wait. oh my gosh so not a great not a great game the twins do get some home runs right polanco hits one gordon hits his first major league home run exciting his dad was there to watch right yeah. that was pretty cool um and even snow got actually a rare meaningless home run most of his home runs this season have actually been quite meaningful this one was not meaningful yes so the twins make it more respectable i guess when it's 14 to 5 is that better? I mean, at that point, nobody cares. So I was actually, so I had some friends over. I was actually solo parenting. My wife was out and about. My, I had a, a friend and his wife come over and they, they brought dinner anyway. They were very nice to me, uh, knowing that I was solo parenting. And so, it's a struggle. Right? Yeah, it's it is, struggle, but they came yeah, over and they helped. Be... I was outside checking on some things, and I came back inside to check on what was happening in the game, and my buddy had flipped it over to the, the NHL playoffs, and he's oh, like, man. it was eight to nothing. What did you want me to do oh. here? So. And we noticed Astudio got to pitch an inning here, yeah, right? Still... And a pretty clean inning, <laughs> only one walk. He is, you know, he is one of the best relievers the Twins have at this point. Do you, do you think the Royals were taking it easy on him at that point, unlike what the White Sox did a month ago? Yeah, yes, I think that they wanted to avoid any drama and they just wanted the game to end as a team in that scenario should. Does, is that a credit to Mike Matheny, then the Royals manager there, to just say, eh, whatever guys, let's just be done? I, well, from what I understand from the White Sox drama, it doesn't really matter what the manager thinks, but his players just <laughs> go out there and true. do what they want, Dan. No, Mike Matheny's players don't do that, no. right? They listen to the manager. No, right? absolutely. But yeah, so this one, this one, folks, is just ugly. Shoemaker, I'm guessing his name may come up in segments a bit later here, but then it was just a bullpen game for the twins the rest of the way it didn't go well salvador perez is obviously a twins killer i feel like he hits home runs and doubles all the time is benintendi becoming another twins killer here because i'm way. tired of him already well, and merrifield like has really and swung Merrifield. the bat well against the twins yeah so i don't know i'm ready to be done with the royals here for a while yeah i'm well yeah <laughs> i mean we won't be then <laughs> have we ever said that i guess <laughs> i don't know when one of the twins done with well, the royals here's the thing the royals play pretty good baseball. out of curiosity you want to be done with the royals is there any team that you'd like to start with because there's not i mean <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly, Dan. The Tigers, yeah, right? Yeah. Can they start against the Tigers? I guess. There? All right, let's 
Let's keep cruising here. Game three here. Twins come away with this one. Five to four. The tides have turned a little bit. Barrios had the start. He went six innings, but he did give up four runs. He didn't look as sort of the shutdown La Machina that we're used to seeing. So he did give up some runs. He It wasn't a clean game by any stretch here. So he had six hits, four and runs, two walks, four strikeouts, and he gave up a home run. He's still pitching well, though. And for those of you who are in this boat already, yes, he's likely to be trade bait, Dan. And so if he keeps pitching well, oh, you're shaking your head. You think no. I don't want him to trade him. I, I like Barrios. I think it's hard to imagine this rotation being stable at all next year. I guess if they trade Barrios, then the white flag to me is, is being flown, right? Without Barrios, I don't know what they do for the, with but the starting rotation is there any, next season. Is there anyone who they could trade who you wouldn't see it as a white flag gesture? And I guess, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, maybe I misunderstand. Are you saying a white flag for next Correct. I'm saying it for oh, next okay. season. I'm saying he's somebody that I think they want to keep around for the next four or five years if possible. Trading him now says, yeah, we're done with that. We're not going to yeah. worry about next season. Yeah, that's fair. But the Twins do win this game 5-4, to four and, and Sano hits a big, important home run in the sixth inning where it kind of bails out Barrios and gets him that, that much-deserved win. Yeah. I believe. <laughs> I don't think we need to go back into that, Dan, here, folks. If you didn't listen, you didn't Who last. Who would you give the win to this game here, David? Would you give it to Tyler Duffy because of that important sixth, seventh inning? So if you what would you do, David? <laughs> if you didn't listen last episode, oh, we had a bit alive. of a disagreement about the way that pitching wins are divvied out. So you can uh, you can go back oh. and listen to last episode. I don't think Why was... don't we just give the save and the oh. win to Hansel Robles because oh. it was so important oh. to pitch that ninth inning? Mr. Thompson. Oh, Mr. my gosh. Mr. Thompson, let's, uh, let's continue here. But no, so yes, the bullpen was very clean in this outing. So Duffy was clean. Rogers was clean. Robles was clean. So it was a good, good outing for the Twins bullpen, as has been the norm as of late, Dan Thompson. It has been. And how about that ninth inning? So in the ninth inning, the, the Royals get a leadoff double, and it looks like doom and gloom, right? Because this, this is an extra inning scenario, yes. right? The Twins are no good in these scenarios. And then that crazy almost double play <laughs> was was really fascinating to watch. It was almost a 6-3-4-6-5 double play. <laughs> I don't know how many of those have happened in the league before, but then they call Dyson safe at third, which was a little confusing the way that the umpire kind of ruled it. Yes. Did, did you notice? Did you think that was weird? I, well, I, I didn't think it was as weird as the play with Kirilov at third today, but yes, it did seem a bit off. But then, you know how I feel about infield in. Yes, David, I do I'm know how sure. you feel about it. But I will say, infield in won them this game. It did. Right? With that double play at the end, the, the soft liner that would not have been, and it wouldn't have been, because the fielder wouldn't have been near nope. enough. Yeah. And then the quick double off of Dyson at third. What an exciting ninth inning. Yes, I agree. And on top of that, I'm just happy that they won it because it just felt as though, yeah, the team probably doesn't care as much as they normally would. But so just show that you can still win after just shellacking you took the day before. And I think specifically in the ninth, when Robles closed it out, it just looked like that really mattered to him. And I Mm -hmm. appreciated that. It just made me feel like he wasn't just like, oh yeah, we won. Like he was fired up. He wanted to get the win and he got it. I I was really happy. Do you think the players still have hope that this season can be salvaged well, that's kind of what i'm what i'm trying to get at i think is that it just seemed to me that robles really cared about this victory but he seemed to care in a way that wasn't just like a one-off game maybe they still think it's possible and you know what if they i think i'd prefer that they think that right like well i would hope yeah, they do even right if, i mean they're they're professionals well but all the more reason why if they're professionals that they might think it's over dan well but if you think of so many of those guys even robles included potentially these are trade bait guys yes right yes. so you want to be in a position if you're one of these relievers or, you know, if you're Nelson Cruz, you you want to be desirable by another team. You want to be playing well so that 
that you wanted, yeah. if that makes sense. So a power to him for there. And then game four, in some ways, a similar game, right? Yeah, very much so. A very close game. Twins come away with this one two to one. And it was it felt like a very classic type of game from like an old school pitching duel. And like there's not a lot of offense happening. Like granted, there were some runners on base, but it just never felt like there was going to be a big inning for either team in this one. It was you were trying to scrape and claw for every offensive run. you. Well, the Twins did have that situation with bases loaded, no outs, nobody yeah. out. In the fifth, that it it sure felt like that was going to come back to haunt them. Yes. Right? It was the fact that a couple guys strike out. Um, Larnock gets hit in the leg, yeah. right, by a pitch that, um, and then Astudio can't bring in anybody. So it's the kind of game where when your bullpen is is cruising, like the Twins have had in years past, you can win these games, and it doesn't matter that you go two for twelve with runners in scoring position and you leave ten guys on base. Yeah. If you can hold a team to one run, it covers a lot of sins. Correct. Yeah, and this was fun. Ober got the start here. This is the second start for the Twins so far this season. This outing went far better than his first outing so he scattered five hits only gave up one earned run struck out four he looked pretty effective on the mound and you know it, it's a good thing that Farrell got the win by pitching that crucial fifth inning don't right? even he really I'm gets just, the one <laughs> this is a thing now no, I, this is a thing this, I just want to make sure that well, this is a thing yeah. <laughs> I get, but and the triple play we didn't even talk about the triple play yes that was a fun play and a credit to Sano for getting to that ball I know that this is not a true infield in situation because they were kind of playing for the bunt but he really hustled to get there yeah. <laughs> and then made a nice throw to second to get to get the out there. I, I don't know. It was just it was one of those smart baseball plays that I love to see. And if we're talking about key, I mean that was a key moment in the sense oh, that the certainly. Royals got two guys on with nobody out here, and, and we've seen what they can do in terms of putting together rallies since they're not a home run based team. Yeah, I mean they really nickeled and dimed through most of the series here with so that that was important. And uh, I'm just I was just really impressed with the pluck of this team to come back and win the last two after losing, especially the way they lost game two. Accurate. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead. Let's push forward here to our segment. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. Puckett's Pick winner, Dan. I, I, got, I haven't heard that in a while, I just, David. I haven't heard that in a while. I don't love this. So Dan Thompson comes away with the victory. He took Polanco, who came away with 12 points. I had Jeffers, who I thought was going to pull something together for me in this outing, but he only scored six points. And the listeners took Kirilov, who scored two points. So that puts the season record. Dan's at 5-12, and 12, tied with the listeners, who are also 5-12. and 12. And I am still in the lead by several games. I'm at 8-9 and nine on the season. I'm just, I'm happy to get back in the wind column, David. I was starting to feel like I was slipping far out of contention here. So to be only three games back in the wind column, which is the only column that matters. Only column I'm that very matters. I'm very happy to have some life. Okay, well, let's keep pushing here. Beast versus Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. We took uh, we took some different angles on this one. We David, did, I think. Absolutely. I'll start. So I'm going to say my beast is actually Miguel Sano. Wow. And you know, and I say it the journey, because the journey continues, folks. I just <laughs> I do. I I'm going to put together a graph before the end of this season <laughs> to the highs and lows of Dan Thompson's feelings for Miguel Sano because the so, graph. I don't even know what the uh, axis is going to be. I don't even know what the increments <laughs> will be. But all I know is that the line is going to shoot up and shoot down depending on the series. Dan, the guy's batting 160, and so like there's times when you think that matters. And now there's times you don't. Uh, tell me what you're thinking here, Dan. So he's your beast. I I'll stop criticizing. And I'm not even criticizing the pick. You're, you don't even know what I'm going to say no, yet. You just, I just, you, knew, you just jump in. You criticize the very nature when, of my selection. When I saw you put Sano on the spreadsheet, I'm like, here we go again. It's like, honestly, each week, it's like, I just have to choose whether Dan's going to have Sano on his beast side or his bench side. I just never know which one it's going to be, Dan. So, okay, here's why. And we should we should run those numbers and how many times I've picked <laughs> them for one or the 
other, yes. right? Aaron Gleeman wrote an article actually this very week on The Athletic about the travails of, of Miguel Sano. And then what does Miguel Sano do? He comes back and he actually has a, a pretty decent series in the sense that in game three, he had a game-winning home run in a big spot where they needed a hit, he had one. And really in game four today too, he had an RBI double that proved to be crucial in a two-to-one game. So this is not so much for the volume of his hits, but it is for the value of the ones that he got because he was up in some high leverage situations when they needed him to hit to make some hits and he did. So that's why he's my beast. Yeah, so I went the opposite direction a bit here. So I took Gordon as my beast. I thought about Robles just because he performed so well throughout this series, but I am going to give it to Gordon just because I think that while his runs and hits didn't happen in as crucial of moments as Sano, he was very consistent throughout the series. And it was fun to see him get his first home run and his parents are there. It's a whole thing, you know? So I, I think that's why I'm going to go with with uh, Gordon as my beast this time around. That makes sense. And I will say about Sano too, he actually played a pretty good first base in the series and he had some nice plays, including the triple play that we talked about before. Yes. I will say there are very few hitters who could survive in a batting lineup with a 161 average. Yes. Right? Yeah. And even an OPS, of, we know we're in an OPS land now, right? 677. That's not a great OPS no. either. So he's still in the lineup. What, anyway, um, bench. Who, who's on your bench? Yeah, so I put uh, Celestino on my bench. And this is weird because Gordon isn't a guy, I don't usually like for these segments to choose someone who's not ex- really expected to either perform. Gordon was kind of unexpected success this series. And so I went with him as sort of a, well, this is kind of an outlier. But then Celestino, man, like I get that you're a and stuff but this is did you look at this line this is terrible game one he goes 0 for 3 with a strikeout game two he goes 0 for 4 with a strikeout uh game three he goes 0 for 3 with a strikeout dan yeah and then the air in game one that more or less cost him the game it's well and when you and when you compare that to the play of gordon yes who was making you know a similar situation in terms of making his debut i mean gordon was a lot more poised at the plate and in the field correct and compared to gordon right i mean gordon had a pretty good series, all things considered, and being a pretty similar situation. Yes. My bench is going to be Astadio. And it pains me to put Astadio on my bench in a series where he pitched a wonderful, meaningless inning. <laughs> but he was up in a lot of key situations in this series and just didn't come through. I'm thinking of game four with the bases loaded. Um, in game two, he was 0 for 5 with five runners left on base. And I think partially this isn't his fault. I mean, I don't think Astadio should be batting fourth or fifth in a lineup, but he did come up with some key situations and he went 0 for 9 in the series. I think teams have figured out that Williams Estadio is going to swing at that first pitch most of the time. Yes. And they're just not giving him anything there. Correct. And I think he's got to just be a little more picky at the plate. And and I wouldn't say that if he was hitting a little bit better than 255 with an OPS of 666, but I don't know. I just... I didn't love his play. I could have put Shoemaker here. I probably should have put Shoemaker here, but I'm not expecting much out of Shoemaker right now. When he only played for a third of an inning. <laughs> well, it was a pretty, exactly. And I was in the garden for half of it. So yeah, yeah I think, not, not a great. I think the pick is okay. I mean, he only played in two games, but to your point, yeah, he did come up in some big situations in that first pitch swing. It's like he's the, he's the bizarro world Joe Maurer. Right. He is, yes. So, in so many yes. ways. <laughs> in so many ways. So <laughs> many ways. But anyway, uh, let's uh, let's move on here. Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. I will start with a praise in this sense. Finding a way to survive the series especially from a pitching staff management standpoint after game two, I was really impressed. The fact that they got through game two, 
survived without burning a bunch of arms, and then to be able to win games three and game four, I mean, to get enough out of Brios, I get that this is on the players as much as anything, right? But he pulled the right strings um, with his bullpen. He got some short innings in games in game three, actually, out of Rogers and Robles and Duffy. They threw a combined... 29 pitches not a bad day in that so so maybe i'm giving too much credit for rocco in this sense but i think that was a big challenge after you give up so many runs and your starter gives you one out to be able to win two games after that is quite impressive (laughs) one out it's not even one inning it's one out i just can't get over how terrible that start was for shoemaker yeah and they have a day off coming up so i think the way he manages bullpen i'm just really impressed well he's got the combination dan the combination that, again, is sweeping the land. The oh, Rodgers-Robles combination. I, so t- I kind of want them to blow a save once just so you'll stop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go with uh, with the Robles-Rodgers choice here in game four. I was a little bit annoyed, Dan, that he did this thing that oh, we've shown. Oh, my gosh. You're that so we've picky shown. about this. They won the game. <laughs> they David. won the game, but it was way closer than it needed to be because had Rodgers pitched the eighth and Robles had the ninth, Merrifield wouldn't have gotten that double. I'm certain <sighs> of that, Dan. So here's the thing, know. Rocco. You got to stick with it. It's the Rodgers-Robles combination. But all joking aside here, I do feel bad for Rocco because it just feels as though he can't win in that either the starters are bad or the bullpen is bad. Wouldn't he at this point just take average on both? Like they, They're either, yeah, oh, good totally. starters, bad bullpen, good bullpen, bad starters. It's like, no, you just want them to be average. Like There needs to be some averaging out here so Rocco doesn't feel like he can never have everything that he wants or any, even average. Well, I was looking up some stats. So the Twins pitching has obviously been poor. They're 26th in the league in ERA. They're also 26th in opponent average with runners in scoring position. Oof. And so in the sense, I mean, and I get that those should should be married, right? But the fact that there's no difference there, just <laughs> when guys get on base, they're just not able to lock it down. Yeah. Is there anything you can point to, like why that is? You know, I wish I could. I don't know if it's just that inherited runners always are finding a way to score like we talked about last episode, or if there's something deeper there. But I don't know that there's anything that you can say other than, is it a lack of strikeouts? So Thielbar, for instance, like we talked about last episode, he led in 80% of his inherited runners, but you were saying that you thought that, I mean, he's Well, but a... he's like, I mean, he's he's got 31 strikeouts in 21 innings. Yeah. Like, that's weird to me. Like, you would think that he he would be working out. And I guess we'd have to look at each scenario. And he's just one of their relievers, right, who's also injured now. But that's just, yeah, is that bad luck? Is that just, you know, poorly timed strikeouts? I mean, it seems like Thielbar can come in and when he's got it, he's got it. And when he doesn't, he doesn't. I mean, I he, he is a it. one-off guy, though. I mean, as far as who we're talking about if we look at the team as a whole i mean how does the bullpen do strikeouts compared to league average i guess yeah Yeah. not good i don't have that stat in front of me but i mean the bottom line is they're just not striking enough guys out it seems yeah so anyway well let's uh let's keep pushing here minnesota moment minnesota moment couple good ones here, David. I'll let you go first here. You've got a litany. Yeah, well, I just have a few. So I have a positive and a negative. So I think I have to go with the triple play just because anything that happens that's the 15th time in the in the Twins history seems like a pretty important thing and a good Minnesota moment. But I do think the Celestino air showed how much this team has been impacted by injuries because if either sure. Arise or Buxton is out there, it's a good chance that doesn't happen. Now, a rise is a little bit more questionable that something like that happens, but not a chance because one, I don't think that Larnick would be fast enough to even get in Buxton's way, right? <laughs> like I sure. like I just don't think that would have happened. So I'm gonna go with a triple play just because you know it's such a rarity in sports and it's kind of an odd thing. It's really fun to watch and exciting. 
But I do think the Celestino air also sort of a little bit more of a, a true feeling for how the season has gone for the Twins. It seems like every game, there's a moment that I can look at and say, you know, if Buxton was out there, he might make a difference. And and even in game three, when, when there's that double to start the top of the ninth, it's, it's to deep center there. You got to wonder, does Buxton make that catch? Yeah. But yeah, I, I wonder that too about injuries. I, I echo you with a triple play, you know, Nick Gordon's home run. Anytime somebody has a first home run, how many times, how many guys this year have had their first career home run? I think it's four or five guys. Well, right? seeing as it's basically the triple A oh, roster who's on the team it, now. Well, uh, moving forward here, Mauer's Musings here, Dan. I think that was a good segue. What do you got for us here? I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. So... We texted a bit at the beginning of this game about the lineup here for Game 4. So I'm going to pose it as a question to you. What was the least expected part for you about the Game 4 lineup? If you were if you were preseason David right now looking at this, and, and I think I'll read it off. So I'll give you some time yeah, to gather yeah. your thoughts. So the Twins lineup for Game 4 today. Polanco leads off. He's DH. Kirilov in right. Snow in first. Larnock batting cleanup out of left field. Astadio in th- at third base. Nick Gordon playing second base, Ryan Jeffers catching, Kyle Garlick in center, and then Andrelton Simmons at short. What what would you have thought about that lineup? Um, huh. <laughs> or is anybody there where you would have thought they would be? Well, damn, this is difficult. Um, so I think, uh, man, it's tricky. So the thing is, so the way I have to think about this in my mind is that this is what I would think a lineup would look like for the twins on a day game after a night game, right? So <laughs> sure, where you're giving sure. the regular starters off. So in that scenario, like, cause obviously there's a lot of big name guys who aren't in the lineup due to injury as well as it looks like, look like Rocco gave them some off days here. Polanco, Sano, Astadio, Jeffers, and Simmons, and probably Garlic because he was looking good in spring training. None of that seems that crazy. Kirilov at this point in the season, because the service time stuff was up, that's not crazy either. But him and Wright would make me think, huh? Wait, what's happening here? Sure. But so I think I think it's going to be Gordon at second. I think that would mm-hmm. be the one name that I think, okay, I could see how that happened. But it is odd to see Larnick and Kirilov playing when you had to realize how many injuries it took for us to get to that point. So I think if I had to say my first one would be Gordon at second, my second thing would be Larnick and left, and then third would be Kirilov. Not so much that he's on the team, but that he's playing right field. Yeah, I think the only one when I look at that and think, oh, that spot and position makes sense, is Andrelton Simmons in the nine spot. <laughs> right? That's the only part of that lineup that looks normal. I would just add two things. So Garlic being in center field. Yeah, yeah. Preseason me thinks, okay, so that means Buxton's either hurt or not playing. Kepler hurt or not playing. Jake Cave hurt or not playing. And then Jake they have who? nobody I else. And this is, I know, we've forgotten... <laughs> <laughs> the ageless, timeless JK. And then, and then maybe Snow batting third, because I would take that as a good sign. I would take that as, oh, Miguel Snow, what a great season he's having that they have to get every possible at bat out of him. You, you, wouldn't, but, you wouldn't have expected me to tell you that he was batting 160. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, exactly. I would have thought, literally, literally, I would have thought at least 100 points higher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If he was batting third. So, how far the twins have slipped that Miguel Snow is there option on a sunday day game and he's batting 161 my goodness oh oh all right what about you what's yours so mine is actually it's a question for you too i mean that's what amusing is right it's it's sort of a pondering (laughs) but yeah we have been pretty direct with each other asking questions so dan all-star game ballots have been released and here's the thing if you if you got the email from the twins miguel (laughs) sano was the guy who you had on that email what are you what are you thinking what are you thinking so here's my question to you dan you have to pick someone 
to be the Twins All-Star representative, who are you sending? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You remember the years where you're like, (laughs) oh, the Royals have to have an All-Star? You know, like... Do you remember that time? Twins or that team? Oh, man. All right, I'm going to give you two names. So one is going to be... I want to say Taylor Rogers, but his ERA isn't even that good. No. Can I say Byron Buxton? Well, so I know he only I, played I that kind month. Of, I, but... I kind of wanted to make a caveat here to say you can't take someone who's currently injured. Okay. Because it, otherwise it's Buxton. Oh, I, I think well, I'm get... without a question, like this answer to this question is quite clear if you can choose Buxton. So healthy, play, healthy player, David. <laughs> this is tough. Um, I, because I don't know that there's the, first of all, there's not a legitimate one here. Maybe you give Nelson Cruz the nod because he's, cause he's old, maybe his last because <laughs> he's old. All right. So I guess, I guess the, the one that makes the most sense that I could say with the straightest face is Jose Barrios, right? The guy's six and two. He's got a 3.58 ERA. He's pitched pretty well this season. So if I had to pick anybody, I think Brios is the most deserving. Aside from him, I think it's Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I think I don't even know how you make arguments for other folks. I mean, I think you're right. I think if Buxton was healthy, he should get the pick. Otherwise, you probably go with Barrios and then Cruz. Maybe Robles or Rogers, but like you said, both of them had struggles at the beginning of the season, so it just doesn't look that good going into the all-star break. I I don't know, Dan. This is it's just it's very, very sad that we're not arguing who should be an all-star because because this guy is more deserving. We're arguing because it's like, well, who do we send? Let's uh, let's go ahead here, Dan. It's that time. Series grades. Series grades. I am not even going to talk about rubrics or grading systems. <laughs> I'm just. I look at a split here, and I and given the fact that the Twins are not a great team right now, maybe they're just not a great team, and I don't have to qualify it with right now. I'm, I'm going to say a B minus. I think they easily could have won three of these four games. And the fact that they held some one run leads late in games three and four, I think that that I think that's good enough for a B minus. That's fair. I gave them a C. I think that the split is fine. The fact that they could have won game one and then the blowout in game two was just ugly. It was average. I don't know. I'm not really upset about it. I'm not super happy about it. It was entertaining baseball for the most part. So I'm going to give them a C, Dan. It was an average series of baseball for this Minnesota Twins team. Would you have cared if they were playing a different team besides the Royals? Probably not. I don't know. If they were playing the Yankees, I'd probably give them an A. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, that's a good point. I'll ask a question back to you then, too. Are the Royals legitimately a 500 team this year? I mean, we've seen them a good deal now. Do you think that they're a pretty good baseball team? No, I don't think so. I think that they're average. I think that they'll probably finish the year below 500, maybe, maybe above, but not much. They're not going to be in postseason content. Do you think the Twins can catch the Royals this year? There's six games back currently. I think so much depends on what happens at the trade deadline. It's hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. I guess let's just, if we phrase it in such a way that the teams have to stay the same and no moves are made, I would say the Twins can do it if they get healthy. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think that they, and I expect them to, I'll say yes. I think they're going to pass the Royals by the end. They just split with them with a triple A AAA lineup, basically. So I'll say yes. I think the Twins will catch them. All right, well, let's go on. It's, it's time for Puckett's Picks. Puckett's Picks. It's a sad day here, Dan, where I have to pick before you. I was I was really liking just kind of taking whoever I was feeling and whoever was left. But so who did the uh, listeners take off the board to get us started here? 
So the listeners are going to take Donaldson. He looked good at the beginning of the Royal Series. So they're going to go with Donaldson and you, you can't have Donaldson, but he's, he's going to be your guy. He was going to be. Yeah, I was really hoping to take Donaldson, actually. So that does that changes things up a little bit. I'm not taking Celestino. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Not taking Simmons, not taking Garlic. At this point, it's more of a process of elimination. I'm not going to take Sano. I mean, Polanco did give you the win. Kirilov could go off. Cruz is looking like he's going to be able to come back for the Yankees series. You know what? Here, I'm going to go. I'm going with Kirilov is who I'm going to take for my pick You here. are. I Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think he's... Any rationale? Not really. Uh, process of elimination, he was probably the highest name on the list, but I don't have I don't have any feelings about it. To be honest, Dan, it's not even a gut thing. It's just this seems like the guy who I should pick because, well, he's, he's probably going to play all the games, I guess. <laughs> you know, that's not a bad rationale. I, I'm going to stick with Jorge Polanco. I, I just yeah. don't see a reason to go away from him now. I think he's looked he looked good last series. I was in, I'm was i encouraged by the fact that he looks like he's healthy. I was a little bit worried he was maybe going to have to have an IL stint. But I liked that he DH'd today to get a day off tomorrow. And I think, as well, he's going to play all three games next series. Yeah, well, it's good. I think that's all we got here, Dan. I, we're moving on to play the Yankees. Truly, I expect them to get swept. I don't think that they come away with a victory here. You but... think they get swept, yeah. David? That's so sad. It is. No, sad. they're not going to get swept. They're at home against the Yankees. Why would they get swept in that situation? Because they're would playing the happen. Yankees. Did you just? Were you not listening? <laughs> I was listening. And then they get the Astros right after that. This is an exciting home. Are you going to any of the games? Yeah, I am. So I'm hoping to go to one of the Yankees and one of the Astros here. Well, hold on, David. I mean, the Yankees—they're only three games above 500 right now. I mean, they're not like they're leading their division. Neither is Houston. Houston's not leading its division. I th- I think they can split on this homestand. You're just shaking your head. You're shaking your head. Sure. Maybe they can. Maybe they can. Uh, I don't buy it. All right. But yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send us out, and I'm going to be optimistic. They're going to win three of the next six games, David. Wow. All right, folks. Well, if you like what you hear, please do tell a friend. You can also follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win, and you can find our Min for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!